Well, episode 162 of Inside the Line of Basketball is going to be a little bit different uh, this week. No Jim Rosso, so I don't have to hear how wrong I am about everything that I think about college basketball. But former Illinois beat writer Jeff D'Alessio was gracious enough to join me for the podcast. So we're going to talk a lot you know, about you know, kind of where the Big Ten stands, Illinois' non-conference schedule, and a little bit of recruiting. Everything you can kind of expect on a weekly basis. So... Be sure to tune in after these messages. Pia Sports Bar and Grill presents Inside Illini Basketball. Pia Sports Bar is the number one Illini sports enthusiast bar in Champaign, hosting bus shuttles to all Illini basketball home games, serving up the best wings, beers, never-ending nachos, and mouth-watering burgers. Come visit Pia Sports Bar and Grill and try our famous Grand Slam burger while watching your favorite game. Pia Sports Bar and Grill is located at 1609 West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. Come be a part of the party at Pia's. Hi, I'm Paul Rudy, CEO of Rudy Wealth Management and host of Paul Rudy's On The Money Radio Show. Every successful investor I've ever met continuously acted on a plan. Every failed investor I've ever met was constantly reacting to current events. If the recent market turmoil is keeping you up at night, maybe it's time you begin to make your investment and spending decisions based upon a retirement income plan. Perhaps it's time for you to listen to the little voice in your head telling you to call Rudy Wealth Management. You'll be happy you did. Rudy Wealth Management, Central Illinois Retirement Specialist, 356 1400. Another Monday morning, kind of a gloomy Monday morning, but I'm feeling better about the next half hour because Jim <laughs> Rosso is not here to just tell me how wrong I am about all things college basketball. Uh, he's on this thing he tells me I can't take, and that's a day off. But uh, Jeff D'Alessio has thankfully joined me for episode 162 of Inside Illini Basketball. I'm Scott Ritchie, the beat writer for Illinois Basketball. Jeff was the Illinois Basketball beat writer um, back in the... Lon Kruger era. That's right. 1990s. So, uh, the glorious 90s. Yeah, there, there's you know, lots of current and former Illinois basketball writers just hanging around the News Gazette still these days. That's right. I, was, uh, I replaced uh, the legend, Lauren Tate, on the beat in 1996 uh, and did it for four years and uh, one of the best jobs I've ever had. And I'm glad I did not do it in the internet age or the social media age. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, Although I, I do, did, you know, I did get to cover every practice, which I, I think I've reminded you many yeah, times. Yeah, I but haven't seen a practice in like three and a half years. What is the is does anyone open practices anymore? I think they're few and far between. If they do, I mean, I could see where maybe some smaller schools, if there's right. like one person that covers them, the access could be there, but. Like I think in the Big Ten, I don't know that. And it's just because you don't want us to write about your what plays you're drawing up, or what's the what's the logic behind that? I mean, I, I think, I mean that's sort of like a football mentality. Yeah, right. But like for basketball, I mean, everyone essentially just runs ball screen action. Right. Day, so I don't think there's a lot of secrets. Maybe like like out of bounds plays. Right. Yeah. But uh, I think it's more just they can control access. They will and. Or we're not there to see and hear someone you know gets hurt or gets chewed out or uh, you anything, know the only anything maybe negative <laughs> right that, that we could see. I think the only thing I ever saw that would be construed as negative in covering four years of practices was Sergio McLean quit for about a day, maybe a half day, 
uh, in the oven when they were practicing in the oven. Um, didn't like something, uh, the way he was, uh, being, uh, scolded for something and just kind of walked off the court. Um, and I'm not even sure if I wrote that. I think, I think I might've had kind of a deal with coach Kruger at the time where if I saw something like that, I'd ask him about it, but it was kind of over before it really became something. So, so he was back before you could write the story. Yeah. But yeah, back then we didn't, yeah, we we had no internet. So it was, you know, by the time the afternoon edition of the paper would have come out the next day, uh, Sergio would have already probably practiced with the team again. So, but I guess like, if we saw something in practice, like we could tweet it immediately, but just right. tell us we can't, and like I, I won't if right. that's the deal, just so I could understand this team better. But. Yeah, no, I think yeah, and I agree, and I think football is actually the same way. You know, the the likelihood that someone, the beat writer, is even going to understand the plays that are being dropped up and then describe them in great detail. There's, you know, first of all, it wouldn't be very interesting copy. No, and second of all. No one has that kind of knowledge, you know. It's and, and say just like Illinois basketball last year. If I were to have said that, you know, I would assume when Kofi Coburn were working flawlessly in pick and rolls, it was like, duh. Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. that's that's what they did all season long. It wasn't going to break any news, that right? Way. But that's just uh, the way things have changed. Some for the better, some for the worse. And I guess uh, the the news of the day on this Monday is the. Full non-conference schedule, save for the very first exhibition on October 23rd, which is still TBA. But we know who Illinois is going to play um, before you know the the Big Ten schedule is released. And I will say that all of like the quote unquote good games we already knew, right? Uh, with Marquette and the Gavit games, Cincinnati, and then one of Arkansas, Kansas State in the Hall of Fame Classic, Notre Dame in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, Arizona making the return trip from. Yeah, you know, a game that was supposed to be played last year, but was postponed because of the pandemic, and then obviously bragging rights. Although we do have a date for bragging rights, it is the Wednesday before Christmas, December twenty second, and it's back in St. Louis after the sort of one time pandemic related who's move back to a campus site last year. Who's back for Missouri next year or this year? A uh, very few people actually, because uh, Jeremiah Tillman and Drew Smith uh, both opted to. You know, do the whole professional basketball thing. They're on summer league rosters, so we'll see what happens there. Mark Smith, of course, everyone's favorite former Illini, <laughs> uh, transferred to Kansas State to play for Bruce Weber. Um, Xavier Penson transferred to LSU. Like I'm really trying to stall because I honestly can't think of anyone. That's no, you know what? It, that was kind of a, a weak attempt at uh, making you look something up, but but you already said it. Um, so, did you, were you here when? Tillman was being recruited. Were you on the beat? Yeah. Okay. I, and I was there at Kendall Gill's golf outing when you know John Gross got the text that Jeremiah had committed. And then, like, there's that photo of him and Josh Whitman engaged in this giant hug. And, like, that was huge for Gross because, like, he had not recruited well. These are things to kind of keep in mind in the future when fans see some bad news about recruiting a big man, you know, that picks another school that you may want to remember, you know, well, things didn't, Jeremiah Tillman wasn't even, I don't even know if he was on like a, a top 200 draft board, right? No. Yet, based on what we thought about him as he began his college career, he was the next Elijah one, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, and and just especially for Illinois, because, you know, Gross had not landed, you know, a sort of big name, 
top caliber recruit. Because he also didn't all. get Cliff Alexander, who oh he had a great career at Kansas, right? I mean, he's, I think he, he was there a semester, maybe. I, mean, he, I think he played six games. Did he play six games? I mean, so okay, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, Jeremiah Tillman was supposed to be the answer to yeah. all of John Gross's problems, and then uh, he was fired before right Tillman it, could even you know make it to campus, which he didn't because he you know obviously flipped to Missouri, but. And I don't know if that's an indictment on recruiting rankings or just kind of the desperation of, um, you know, finally landing a center. But it kind of speaks to how valuable and rare Kofi is, right? I mean, it's yeah, he's and been he's certainly been a much better player than Jeremiah Tillman or Cliff yeah, Alexander. You know, Kofi, you know, top fifty player. I think Jeremiah was I'm trying to think where he was ranked in this class, but sort of in this, the ballpark of right. that, but. Kofi developed. And, you know, Jeremiah wasn't bad at Missouri, right. but he just was never that dominant yeah. center that I think everyone sort of expected him to be. Kofi's been that. Right. And you know, his, he went from Big Ten freshman of the year to second team All-American, and like he'll get multiple votes for preseason player of the year, I think, going into this coming season. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman was never sort of at that level right. in the SEC. So a third year of Kofi Coburn, I mean, that's I think Illinois fans should still be grateful that that worked out. It's just, yeah, I mean, it just does not happen, right? I mean, this just is not the way college basketball has gone lately where you're getting a guy for his third year. Usually the, the I think the MO is that the longer you stayed in school, the more flaws were shown to NBA scouts. Yeah. And, and, and that's largely true around college basketball. And, you know, the, the the USC kid didn't even consider coming back for a second year, right? I mean, that most of the yeah. most of the top guys come out after their first year, sophomore year at worst. Well, uh, and then, I mean, I would assume it was the case where he was getting some, like, late first-round draft grades at the end of his freshman year, didn't even declare for the draft and decided to come back. Then, you know, he got another year older. His draft stock went down after his sophomore season, although he was statistically better right. on the court. And then you know, he comes back for a, year, a third year, and then you know it, it sort of just gets right back to where he was. But even then, he falls to the second round. And there's a lot of you know one and done types that jumped him right you know, into the first. Okay, stay with us for one second. So the clearly the days of having a you know post up. Back to the basket center in the NBA who doesn't kind of drift away and shoot threes and guard on the perimeter are are over or fairly limited, right? I mean, you have yeah, you're you looking the, at maybe 15 minutes a game, yeah. like your Bobans and I mean, I'm trying to think of the Utah the guy, right? Uh, it would might be an exception because he's not real, but he's not very skilled on the offensive end. Gobert, right? Yeah, I mean, and then they also couldn't play him defensively, right? Exactly in the playoffs, so. For Kofi to make that next step to become a more attractive pro prospect, you would think that maybe he has to expand his game. It's it's hard for me to imagine Kofi shooting threes. Is that is that a concern at all that he's you know that he might try to change his game for too his much benefit? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that Brad Underwood will let him shoot a lot right. of threes, and if he just has he ever shot a three? In college, I 
I've seen him shoot in warm-ups, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's attempted one in a, in a game situation. Okay. But I think the bigger thing for Kofi, like if he can knock down 15, 17-foot jump shots consistently, that's good. And then also just he has to pass the ball right. more when he gets in the post. And honestly, I get it. You know, he can dunk on just about anybody he wants, but the, sometimes the double and triple teams, there's – two or three of your teammates that are wide open for a three that that's the play you need you should make as right. opposed to trying to enforce your will which he can do and Brad Under was told him you know to do that when he can but like, if he wants to really improve his NBA stock like he has to be a, a willing and able passer cause, right because those teams aren't going to let him just do whatever he wants can he can he defend out there I mean is he someone who moves around well enough that I, I can't say that I've seen he, him do that a lot but Runs the court well. It's laterally where he needs to improve with his quickness. But, you know, he came back from his pre-draft workout several months and slimmed down some, and his conditioning was good. So if he can not be a liability in ball screens, then I think, you know, he can up his stock there as well. It just needs to move side to side a little better. It's, Which, I, it's tough. He's seven foot, two hundred and eighty-five right. pounds. Like you don't move quickly side to side, regardless right. of how athletic you are. In a perfect world, he comes out after his junior year. Does he have a shot at the lottery if he has an all-American kind of season? Or is that, I mean, I, mean, I just don't think he does because he'll be twenty-three uh-huh. by the time the next his what would be his rookie year starts. Um, so that's like four strikes against him because he's not 19. Right. Um, this is just stunning to me. And, and I watched just, the NBA but yeah, now. The but lottery, if you look at the lottery, there were – there's one – there was a big guy out of Turkey, um, Alperin Sagunas, that was kind of seen as a potential lottery pick, and I think he dropped to 16. So, I mean, he was close, but – Right. And he's also 18 and um, was played, you know, in the toughest league in Turkey and I think played really well. So, there's just – that type of big man is if it's tough it's a tough road if patrick ewing's come out of college right now 25 years later is he a lottery pick <laughs> i mean he's I mean, a guy that went number one uh is elijah Wan a lottery pick is Shaq a lottery pick i mean are these you know are these kind of just centers yeah. that aren't really much more than centers but great centers or has the game just changed to a point where you'd rather have a guy from turkey i mean maybe I feel like if Olajuwon played now, just the way, like, his game, I mean, obviously he was terrific back-to-the-basket right. player, but, you know, with his soccer background, like, I could see him shooting threes right. in 2021. Yeah. But also having maybe that, that post-game with it. Patrick Ewing could not shoot threes. He just did not have the no. kind of... Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I think he'd been a first-round pick somewhere, but <laughs> it's just the game has changed... I mean, Enough. I think he's a top, he's top 50 player of all time, right? He's on yeah. the NBA. Okay, just checking. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, is Shaq? <laughs> I mean, Shaq out of LSU was a really good athlete. Right, but certainly not a, a, a three-point three point shooter, shooter or someone who guarded away from the basket. No. Um, yeah, I mean, probably... I mean, definitely not the number one pick, you wouldn't wow. think, because if you're big, like Evan Mobley, it went two. Right. He is a guy that can stretch the floor a yeah. little bit. And, and Evan is better than Shaquille O'Neal. It's just, <laughs> that is stunning to me. Yeah. I'm I mean, sorry. That's not, I mean, not, he isn't, but right. for he's the more, he's, he's the a better fit. fit. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. It's just 
Basketball's a little. So who? What's the best game on this non-conference schedule? What's the What's the game that goes down to the last shot? I think probably the Arizona game is the best. Okay. Because of the, although if they do end up playing Arkansas in the Hall of Fame Classic, because it's not a guarantee, but I think Arkansas will beat Kansas State, so Illinois would have to beat Cincinnati. Arkansas would be the best matchup because they're a top fifteen team. Yeah. Heading into the season, Illinois in the similar spot, so that would be the best. But I think Arizona at home would have been maybe a better game last year, just in terms of who Arizona had. But they'll be fine with. And they, I like their new coach. I mean, Tommy Lloyd was part of the reason for Gonzaga's success. As a Syracuse native, I have no shame admitting that I loathe Notre Dame basketball. <laughs> I know a lot of people hate Notre Dame football, but uh, so when I was a kid, Digger Phelps was the coach. And remember, remember David Rivers, little point guard they have? He hit like a 50-foot shot at the carrier dome to beat Syracuse at the buzzer, and Digger Phelps danced all over the court. And <laughs> Bayheim had some mean words for him after. Th- that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Uh, um, yeah, Notre Dame was down last year. They were four games below 500. There were like Notre Dame fans like calling for Mike Bray to be fired. Right. I don't think that'll happen just because he could probably have that job till he doesn't want it anymore. But they haven't been terrific, and I don't know that they'll be – that much better this year but it's an interesting game mike bray is kind of the one of these outliers now you have you know tom Izzo. um obviously you have the you know the really elite guys the you know shashevsky and but i was reminded of this yesterday when one of my favorite people in all of sports bobby bowden died we've now lost my three favorite interviews they're all no longer with us uh john cheney Oh, I mean, Hall of Fame interview. Yeah, Rick Majerus was the best. Uh, Rick Majerus was at SLU when I was good. Co- now he was at already had been when I was covering Illinois. Was he at Marquette? Utah, maybe. Utah. That's right. Uh, so Majerus, Cheney, and Bobby Bowden. Um, yeah. And you know, Bobby Bowden kind of got run out of Florida State, which is just absurd. Yeah. And, and at this know, point, are they, they must no, be regretting they, it now. And they have, off. yeah, and they have really, I mean, they were really bad a couple of years ago. Like they were two wins bad. Uh, but you, you, it doesn't seem like, you know, that's a thing anymore where a guy stays 15, Forever. 20 yeah. years. Well, Bray's been at Notre Dame for two decades. Two decades. Wow. Which is, and it's not really, uh, I mean, you certainly wouldn't say that's a top 20 job. Would you? No, I mean it's just that people don't. He's been good enough to yeah stick around, and think, and just hasn't. I mean, two of the last three years they've been below five hundred, but mostly he wins twenty games a year, 20, yeah. 20 to twenty five, and has the occasional like breakout year, very occasional, but and they win more. But yeah, it's I don't wouldn't. I just be it's kind of an interesting game for me because it's. At State Farm Center and Illinois Notre Dame in 2015 was the first game I covered at State Farm Center. Huh. So, was it? I don't remember. Was it a good game? Uh, Notre Dame won. Okay, uh, but that was the grand reopening of State Farm. Uh, so one of the things that is being discussed a lot now is this kind of what happens to the NCAA, right? And if all these super conferences form, and part of the Logic or one thing that people seem to like is that you would get rid of the, you know, Michigan Appalachian State football, these these mismatches where you'd be playing, you know, 
good team versus good team, great team versus great team. You know, it would be no off weeks, um, except when you play like Vanderbilt in football. <laughs> but they would all be kind of, you know, the power five matchups. Does basketball change under that scenario? Or do you still get Jackson State, Arkansas State, you know? Not many of them, actually. St. Francis, PA. Uh, Fort A&M. Fort A&M, yeah. No, those I mean, those are just, it's the, the typical fare of a high major right. schedule. Is you no, yeah, absolutely. St- stack but your home, home games. I, I don't – I mean, football drives so much of this, but – I mean, you have to have – got to fill a schedule. And, you know, you yeah. can't possibly be playing, you know, Arkansas and Arizona every night. Or could you? I mean, is it – I mean, I think – a lot of basketball coaches would push back against that because right. their livelihood is centered on winning games, right. and you're not going to win as many, I think, if you're playing a 31-game schedule and all 31 teams are like maybe NCAA tournament teams. Right. Or potentially. Um, so I'm not sure, like, because football's going to screw it up for everybody else. They really are, yeah. It's, I'm, not, I'm not sure I hate it, but it uh, – because you know, again, these some of these games when these SEC would load SEC football teams load up on the worst of you know. If yeah, they could they play, play Division Three, they would. And like they play them at strange time. Like they don't play them early, right? They play yeah, them in November throughout the yeah. schedule, yeah. so they can give their starters a right. Essentially, a, another. But they're league. you know they, it's seventy to nothing. You know, I mean, there's just no interest in these games, and yeah. I think that I think that would be a step forward for college football yeah but it doesn't seem as practical for college basketball no and i feel like in basketball there's more of an opportunity to get that appalachian state over in michigan football type of game right not just in the NCAA tournament either and there's always a non-conference result for somebody that's like well that was a huge upset well Illinois had a bunch right north florida and uh yeah i mean they lost to florida atlantic at home with Kofi Coburn in the house on his official visit. But instead of turning him away from Illinois, he's like, well, they definitely don't have me. <laughs> yeah. like, I can come in and I'll get all the minutes and play right away. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I think college basketball would be worse off. I think football would be worse off for some of that. Right. But, I mean, they're going to do their own thing, I guess. But. Um, you want to talk recruiting? Let's yeah, there's just a few tidbits. Um couple of Illinois targets committed elsewhere, uh, but Illinois will see them because they stayed in the Big Ten. Uh, Terrace Reed is a four-star center out of St. Louis, played at Chaminade. Uh, will, he's transferring to Linkier Prep, I think that's where he's headed. Where? In, it's in Branson. Is okay. It's a prep school. It's a new prep school. One of the <laughs> newer okay. that have just, and I mean everyone transfers at this right. point, but uh, four-star center. He committed to Michigan last week. And then Trey Holloman, he's a four-star point guard out of uh, Creighton-Durham in Minneapolis or St. Paul, one of the two. Um, he committed to Michigan State. Uh, so they're off the board for Illinois, but Illinois didn't really need a point guard after landing you know, Sincere Harris and Jaden Epps back-to-back, so it made sense that Holloman went elsewhere, even though he had Illinois in his top six. Does Illinois ever get – I'm trying to think of someone from – Minnesota that landed at Illinois? Not recently. And there have been plenty of like targeted recruits because like Gross, John Gross recruited a bunch of guys out of it. Because Minneapolis, that area, has had a, several oh, yeah. really good players of, yeah. in the last eight years. Right. 
Um, but yeah, none of them have come to Illinois. Sort of like Canada. Yeah, it just kind of seems like a Syracuse loves Canada and they've Oklahoma. been successful. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of recruits that are still in the picture, Illinois made the top six for a four-star forward out of Colorado, um, Zach Keller. Just offered him the middle of last month, uh, so it must have made a pretty good first impression. Now, there's a few schools that he's already visited that are sort of seen um, maybe as leading his recruitment, but uh, there's nothing in it really. It's not going to make a move till November, right? closer to the signing day. But Illinois, Utah, Wake Forest, Colorado, Texas Tech, and TCU huh. are his final list. And uh, Interesting, 6'10", 220-pound forward, a guy that can stretch the floor, um, pretty decent athlete. He's had injury trouble in high school, so that's maybe a bit of a red flag, but you know, he got healthy at the end of his junior year, played really well this spring and summer, and that's where his recruitment really blossomed because he was healthy for the right. first time in two and a half years. But you know, there's other bigs Illinois is you know, targeting in that 2022 class if it's not Zach Keller. And, I mean, they've offered more than like 60 guys, so there's a pretty fair chance it won't be Zach Keller. Right. But like A.J. Casey from Whitney Young has sort of been the long-term guy i mean they offered him back at the after his freshman year at simeon and then he went to tinley park and then whitney young but uh we'll be back at whitney young for his senior year okay uh then uh cameron corin out of texas who's now playing at sunrise christian academy in wichita so that's another transfer um and then there's a five-star newly kind of christened five-star out of florida ernest uday jr won a state championship this past year uh, at his school New Orlando and that doesn't even take into account the transfer portal so what school is that uh, Dr. Phillips okay yeah I know my Florida a little having lived there for yeah. a couple of years so there's uh, options out there but Illinois is at least you know advancing in some of these recruitments okay so you wanted to talk a little bit about your great college basketball extra Sunday page specifically the top 10 and the lack of talent, depth, what's the right word? Um, maybe just the elite yeah. wings in the Big Ten. Um, and since Jim's not here to tell me how wrong it was, well, he made sure, bef- I think on Friday, he let me know he'd seen it already and it, it was terrible, mm. quote-unquote. But um, He liked that stubby little Michigan point guard last year, too, that I can't stand, the Columbia transfer. Oh, Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Jim's taste in college basketball yeah. players is something. But, like... As I put together this list, because I've done you know, the top ten, like front court players, you know, coming back, top ten, essentially point guards slash combo guards, like the top of those lists were pretty good, um, you know, with Illinois in the involved there, Kofi Coburn, best big in the Big Ten, Andre Bello, potentially the best, you know, lead guard, wings was a sort of different conversation. Um, I got to ten, but. You're going to have to be a real Big Ten diehard to know probably who half these guys are. You know, uh, Steve Bardo has like a like a strange kind of love affair with this Keegan Murray guy. <laughs> I've seen him call a couple Iowa games and thinks that this guy's going to be the next like big thing in the Big Ten. Um, and he might be. I mean, he's got the, the pedigree. His dad played at Iowa. Um, his twin brother's on the team who's not as good as Keegan. But I've seen some 2022 – like NBA mock drafts that have him in the second round already. Really? Huh. Yeah, so he played a small role last year as a freshman, but like with Joe Weeskamp leaving, 
and obviously he's a good choice because he signed with, you know, got drafted and signed with the Spurs. Um, there's more opportunity, I think, for Keegan Murray, but we'll see. Ron Harper Jr., my my favorite player from Rutgers. Yeah. Jim's least favorite player in the Big Ten, maybe. Really? Because that's the top of the list. I like I like them, too. I like the way they play. Yeah, well, I, good. I've been on the Steve Peichel train since you know, he got hired. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Ron Harper Jr. had a great start last year. Then he got hurt, missed one game, and then was not the same player. I think there was some, some lingering issues there. But he could be really good. Um, but that's a uh, to run down the list. Like again, got to really I think follow the Big Ten to even remember these guys. Dante Scott at Maryland, Jamison Battle, who's at Minnesota because they had to rebuild their entire roster. He's a George Washington transfer. Will probably lead the Gophers in scoring this year. Hmm. Keegan Murray, Miller Cop. We went from Northwestern to Indiana. Jonathan Davis at Wisconsin could honestly maybe have been higher on the list. He could have a, a pretty good sophomore season for the Badgers. Justice Suing at Ohio State. DeMonte Williams, totally undervalued, I think. Undervalued? Yeah. Huh. Just for what he does. Because he's not going to score 15 points a game, but yeah. there's a reason Brad Underwood has played him since day one. Then Gabe Brown at Michigan State needs to be better for them. And Seth Lundy at Penn State's basically like the lone holdover. What do you think uh, Williams' role is this year? I remember in the, especially in the non-conference, member he was shooting like sixty percent on threes or something. Yeah, well, he shot fifty-six for the season. Wow! And I mean, one hundred percent catch and shoot. I mean, he's not creating for himself on threes, but right. It's one of those guys who's like Kofi if you're being double or triple teamed. Like Demonte is probably open, and he'll make that shot six out of ten times. Right. But I mean, he does. He's going to rebound from the wing. Really well, he averaged like five points, five rebounds last year. Um, he's going to make all the hustle plays that you want him to make. He's going to defend. He's because six three, like I'm not going to play him at the four because he has a seven foot wingspan, and it's just the gritty stuff that doesn't really show up on the box score. Right. But he's he's going to do it all, and then he'll knock down a couple threes a game and call it good because I don't think he won. <laughs> He's not out there chasing shots. Right, right. Like he just doesn't have that. Is he that a starter? I mean, he's bounced back and forth between it. Um, I'd say early he probably will be, and then I could see you know, the the rotation really shuffling throughout the year, especially if maybe if one of the freshmen has a breakout, then that could change things. But, yeah. And then, of course, Brad Underwood would tell me that he doesn't care who starts. And right. That's a constant yeah. refrain. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Just uh, just that that list sort of locked into me, and then the draft as well. So, like, there's one Big Ten player drafted in the first round, and the SEC had a ton. ACC had its share. Uh, I mean, the Big Ten is not necessarily getting all of the elite NBA yeah. caliber players. It seems like I know it's sacrilegious to say this, but uh, I mean their reputation took a little bit of a beating from. Um, from March through July. You know? Yeah, well, because they head into the tournament. It's like, this is the best conference of all time ever. Right. Top to not quite bottom. And then Michigan's the only team that makes any kind of run. Yeah, in the, and the one that really was disappointing was Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they get rolled on the first round by a two-man team. It was a great two-man Oral Roberts team with Max Asmus and Kevin O'Banner, but you don't shouldn't lose that game right and Purdue who got hot late I mean they got beat by North Texas which was almost a one-man team and they just couldn't stop their their good guard it was not a 
for all of the hype around the Big Ten from November through the end of February, yeah, uh, no one was speaking in such glowing terms right. the last four months. And then it kind of got, you know, the, the lines seemed to be that, well, they didn't really play no good in the non-conference, and, you know, they're just kind of beating up on each other. It's same cliche, but, you know, it kind of did play out that way. Yeah. So it'll be good to see, you know, Arizona, like real matchups now again this year when yeah, you're not worried about I mean, COVID canceling. Hopefully we're not hopefully. worried about canceling. I keep saying like it's a thing of the past, but. Um, yeah. I'm curious to like what basketball do because football, most conferences, if they haven't, are going to move to is like if you can't feel the team, then that's a forfeit. So I don't know if like basketball would have maybe a little more. Leeway, because we saw last year where games were scheduled like two days out, so you can change your schedule a little bit. But The New York Yankees are having a hard time filling a team right now because yeah. of COVID. Well, I mean, I think they got better at the trade deadline, but also like traded four unvaccinated players. So. <laughs> right. And then and then had a six-game road trip in Florida. It didn't help. No. Um, so, yeah. It's uh, like hopefully we've moved past – we will again, because I think we were doing pretty good there for a bit. We were, yeah, and just kind of suddenly. So, yeah, if you want to watch college basketball or football this year and want to be there, I don't know, vaccination is probably not a terrible idea. I would strongly encourage it, no matter what you hear or read. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, this is a non-conference schedule out, and now all we're waiting for is the, the Big Ten slate, and we know – who Illinois is going to play, just don't know when. Are they still doing the early two games? Yeah, because there's a gap in the schedule right now because there's no Big Ten games on there between November 29th uh, against Notre Dame and December 11th against Arizona. Okay. So there will be one home game, one road game in the Big Ten. I mean, that's typically how it's happened. So. Do you like that? Yeah, I think it creates some interesting yeah, matchups. In a, in a time on the rest of the college basketball calendar where you're not getting – great games right so i think you know the big 10 can grab some attention by doing that but i know like the acc maybe it was just a last year thing but like they played some early conference games last season does illinois have any of those hawaii trips or anything in the future or anything that it used to be that you could only do one every four years i don't know if that's a thing anymore um well because like they're they were supposed to play in florida last year that got canceled so i think that I think that gets bumped. Like, they'll still play in the Emerald Coast Classic coming okay. up. But, yeah, I'm not sure when. Like, for Maui, yeah, it's sort of like every four or five. Between four and six years, like, if it's a lot of the same teams, but you just kind of have to wait your turn again. So that would be at least probably three years out for them to get another shot hmm. at that. Well, hopefully you're still on the beat because – that's a that's a trip worth taking. Well, I didn't go the last time. Well, we'll push harder this time. Yeah. New ownership, so <laughs> we'll see. If, we'll see if that works. I mean, I tried for one that didn't work out, obviously with the pandemic. But like in 2016, I was already telling Jim's like I want to go to Tokyo for the Olympics because there's going to be several former Illini there, and then obviously Jordan Poulter, Michelle Barsh, Hackley won gold for USA volleyball, first ever. Uh, didn't get a chance to go to Tokyo. Might have been a that. long shot anyway. Yeah. But. Hopefully it's uh, you don't have the arrangements I had in Puerto Rico when I was uh, staying in a hotel room with Lauren and uh, covering both the men and the women on different sides of the island. So <laughs> it was 
yeah. it was uh, one of the worst uh, experiences I've ever had in my life, driving to, driving around with Lauren. Well, I could see where that would be the case. <laughs> All right, well, that's probably it for episode 162 of Inside Illini Basketball. Thank you, Jeff, for, yep, for filling you. in for Jim and giving me a, a Monday off from how <laughs> wrong I am about everything. And we'll be back next Well, we'll see if we're back next week. I won't be here. Jim will. Maybe he'll find a, a, a replacement for me, temporary. Okay, you on vacation? I'm going to squeeze one in before I can't take a vacation for seven more months. Going anywhere fun? Uh, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to Minneapolis because every time I'm there, it's like negative 30 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a cool city, and I like it, and I'm going to see it in the summer instead. Good. So, I don't know. I won't be here next week, but we might have episode 163. Okay. Hopefully, uh, it's not me. No, Jim. <laughs> no one wants to work with Jim. <laughs>